I have a theory. Okay, tell me. All right, so in 1973, mm-hmm. the Pythons released a sketch called Dennis Moore. Oh. Which was basically these dandy highwaymen. <laughs> sort of a Robin Hood figure, but he was a little confused as to how things were to work. Uh-huh. So John Cleese played Dennis Moore, and he ran around stealing lupins, which are these really useless-looking fern, like colored fern plant type things. <laughs> and he would steal these lupins. But they were all dressed in this, you know, uh-huh. Renaissance-era-ish, you know, roughly shirts and mm-hmm. the highwaymen look. Mm-hmm. And they even had a song, you know, Dennis Moore, Dennis Moore. And he's like, stealing lupins left and right. So then eventually <laughs> all the peasants are like, well... Can you, like, get us some food or something? Because they're, like, making lupin soup, and they're wearing lupins all over the place. But it's the, it's that exact same look. It's that, like, dandy highwayman, right? Uh-huh. I mean, it wasn't accidental. For the next album that he yeah. does, Prince Charming, that's when I think they do Stand and Deliver, right. which is very much, I'm the dandy highwayman, Right, he says. I mean, he just comes right out and says it. <laughs> right, exactly. But I feel well, like, I mean, I feel feel like, like Monty like, Python uh, doesn't get enough credit for that. Uh, that, may be, that may be, that may be. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Gen Extemporaneous. This is a podcast where I come up with an idea, I do some research, I grab a bottle of wine, I bring everything to Mark, and he pontificates. In today's episode, we are going to be doing a video versus video, which will become a regular feature for our Patreon followers. We will be looking at four videos from the golden age of MTV that we have chosen around a theme. We will summarize each video, speak about why we chose them in relation to the theme, give you a little pop-up video style trivia associated with the musicians involved, and then we will rate each video based on our Beavis and Butthead scale of excellence. Finally, we will grade the video based on five major tropes that characterize videos during the 80s. We are grateful for you coming to listen to us each week, and although we are certainly going to offend those of you who have a deep understanding of the post-punk milieu in England during the late 70s and early 80s, remember, we're Gen X. We got our sensitivity chips late in life, and we're still learning how to use them. Hi, Mark Snedeker. Hello, Christina LaRusso. So this is a funny episode because it's, it's, hilarious. it's going to be a sample for our listeners of one of the things, just one of the things that we will be getting up to on our Patreon. So this is going to be a funny one. This is going... <laughs> not, not a funereal one like we usually do. <laughs> yeah, no. So on Patreon, we are going to be doing something called Video versus Video. We may come up with a different working name, title. everyone. That's yes. a working title. And in these episodes, we're going to be... We, we've, I've chosen four videos based around a theme of my choosing again no input from me whatsoever none at all let's tell about our rating system so first of all our rating system is based on beavis and butthead yeah so it basically goes from that sucked to yes to that rocks and then uh sometimes i improvise other ratings in between there just because he likes to do butthead's voice i really do (laughs) (laughs) well it's because it's so good (laughs) because you're really good at butthead well somebody's gotta be then we also have identified five what we feel are pretty consistent tropes evident in most if not all 80s videos so this will i'm on us these this will include the use of black and white to signify Gravitas. Yes. Hairstyles as a character. To symbolize frivolity. <laughs> <laughs> Women as props. Which you know I'm Kind all of about. a very bleak 
thing that happened in 80s videos. There was some there was a lot of work for what, what back then were called like starlets, right? Yeah, well, models, yeah. you know, they and were models, models yeah. but hmm. model actresses. Uh then apocalyptic or post-apocalyptic imagery? They love that stuff. Well, it was the 80s. We were yes. living under the mushroom cloud. And egregious yeah. symbolism. Right. Just meaningless nonsense that they would just flash across the screen because they were just trying to make it interesting or they just had a particular creative itch to scratch. Wow. Can you say that? I yeah, don't know. Itch to scratch. Was there yeah, a that's how it goes. cream for that? Possibly. <laughs> Symbolism. Yeah. So today's theme, post-punk. Um, post-punk, and it, this is really talking about in, in England, right. focus, focused on, on British bands. The music scene in England was so much more interesting, I think, anyway. It was very vibrant back then. Then what was yeah, then what yeah. was happening here in the States. That's not to say completely. We're gonna we have an upcoming upcoming episode about CBGB. There was some interesting stuff happening at CBGB. Yeah, the styles that were taking off originated in England. Yeah, right? a lot at of least it at that time. I mean, the stuff that's interesting to me. Now I'm certain that there are people who would be like, Yeah, you know, but the talking heads and the Ramones and certainly right. that is valid and that is interesting. In terms of what was happening like in New York around kind of the same time. Yeah. But to me, just the post-punk and what that beca- became, because that's the music that I've really loved yeah, in the 80s. Yeah, because you weren't a big, you know, like glam rock person. No, or... but I mean, all of the music that I liked was heavily influenced by glam rock Absolutely. and, you know, like Bowie and um, Iggy yeah. Pop. And I remember when the Sex Pistols were a thing. I remember yeah. hearing about the Sex Pistols. I wasn't into the Sex Pistols because I was right. like a little kid. Christine, and- please take the safety pin out of your face. You have to go to kindergarten. <laughs> It's true. It's true. Okay, so I've chosen two bands for myself and corresponding videos and two bands for Mark and corresponding videos. Now, those of you who are familiar with some of this may actually be aware of the connections, but we'll be talking about what the connections are between the bands that I've chosen. First of all, Adam and the Ants versus Susie and the Banshees. Or as I say, Sayuxi. <laughs> so um, two post-punk, I mean, really, they were punk that became post-punk. Yeah. Pioneers. And then, of course, moved into sort of new wave. And Susie and the Banshees were really sort of heavily influential, even though she didn't really care for it in, yeah. in the goth. Too bad for her. Sort of designation. Yes. So starting out, Adam and the Ants, they actually, they're very, the initial meeting of all of them and the first band meeting took place at a Susie and the Banshees concert. Wow, there you go. Well, Adam Ant, as many performers of the day, were were very heavily influenced by um, the Sex Pistols. Yeah. Susie herself was a part of the Bromley um, contingent. In the audience were Susie, Billy Idol, Steve, I discovered that they were all from Bromley. And as the punk movement developed, I began to say that if the Bromley contingent was at the gig, you know, the, the, the gig was that important. Music and attitude were the common ground binding together what was to become known as the Bromley contingent. It was just about being a bit of a peacock and having fun and meeting people that you felt some kind of connection with. Uh, she was a part of that contingent that actually followed the uh, the along with Billy Idol followed the right. Sex Pistols around. Uh, Adam, Isn't his band like Gen X or Generation something? X <laughs> Gen- was his Generation first X, band. Yeah. That's correct. 
And they should be our house band. <laughs> that, exactly. Adam and the Ants, he's an art school guy. Remember right. when we talked in our 1980s episode? Yeah, so uh, many of them were. So many of them were art school. So Adam said that after he saw the Sex Pistols perform, it was all over for him. He wanted to just become a different person. So Stuart Goddard became Adam Ant. And he decided he was going to start this band. And so he got himself uh, a group of guys. And as I said, they, their very first meeting was at a Susie and the Ban- Banshees performance at the Roxy in London's Covent Garden. So this is like 1977. They, they released their first album, Dirk Wears White Socks, in 1979. You get the keys to my heart When you wear that Which kind of fell flat. At the same time, a lot of these people were coalescing around a boutique, a clothing boutique that was run by uh, Malcolm McLaren and his partner, Vivian Westwood. Aha. Uh-huh. Uh, called the Sex Boutique. Malcolm McLaren and Vivian Westwood's shop Sex on the King's Road experimented with the lexicon of pornography. They stocked fetish wear, slogan t shirts, and the infamous bondage trousers. Jordan, the shop assistant, was a living advertisement for the power of sex. She wore rubber clothes, a beehive and theatrical makeup. I saw myself as a walking work of art, really. Vivian used to grill people sometimes, you know, why do you want to buy this? And what happened, I mean, if somebody somebody gave the wrong answers, would she not let them buy it? Well, sometimes, yeah. Yes. And that's where a lot of that style came from, the piratey stuff and and the Sex Pistols, like the queen, the shirt with the queen on it. Yes. Okay, so... British flags. The, yeah, right, right, right. So that, that, like the punk style and the sort of fetish wear came out of Vivian Westwood and Malcolm McLaren's boutique. Right. And Adam, of course, knew Malcolm. And so he went to Malcolm and, and Malcolm was some kind of like musical Svengali yeah, or something. Kind of, yeah, he's like was, this guru for yeah, a lot exactly. of these people. He was definitely a guru. Um, so he gave... Adam, some advice, and he said, you know, hey, I'm going to give you this tape, and it had a whole bunch of different musical styles on it, including Burundi drumming. Right. Which becomes significant. Which has like 35 drummers. <laughs> right, and yeah. it's tribal drumming. Um, and and then and he said, you know, and and the stuff that you're doing on Dirk wears white socks is great, but that's what you do after you're a millionaire and you have a yacht and you're gonna right. you've had you eight can do some great, musical exploration. Yeah, you can do some exploration. This you is need you need to make some money. This son. ain't the vibe right now, my guy. And so he said, you know, you got to do these things. And he's you know sort of gave him the advice: look at you, put yourself on the cover of of whatever you're doing. Don't make it too bizarre. You want people to see you. They want you. Yeah. He's a good-looking guy. Adam right. Adamant was a good-looking guy when he was a young guy. Well, that was very typical of kind of the emerging music scene then, right? Which was to have, you know, uh, your looks kind of be part of your 
your band's image, like not like the 70s as much, right? Right. So video was becoming more of a thing. So, of course, you have to, you know, have have some eye candy up there for people to be attracted to and then explore the music, right? For sure. Like, you know, I mean, punk wasn't as much. Like, glam, you could argue. I, I mean, obviously, you can argue that, like, David Bowie was very much about image. and Oh, sure. The, you know, like, his presentation. So, I mean, they're taking influence from that. They're sort of eschewing punk and saying, okay, punk is now over we want to do something else and then We're it's getting moving on and it's getting a little bit more creative so malcolm's giving him all of this advice meanwhile he's stealing the ants yeah <laughs> adam finds out that My ants are easily distracted the ants the <laughs> he, original he puts down a sugar trail and there right. they go the sugar trail led right to annabella lewin who was like 13 or 14 years old and malcolm had discovered her as a singer and he had the ants back her up in a band called Bow Wow Wow. So that's, you know, sort of that's the little backstory a little bit about Adam and the ants. And so then they goes and says, well, I don't have a band, but I'm going to find a band. And he puts a band together with Marco Peroni. Marco Peroni, this is a very incestuous little grouping of people. Marco Peroni. I'm not even sure that's just a metaphor. (laughs) (laughs) Marco Peroni had played guitar for the very first Susie and the Banshees performance at a festival, a punk festival that had been planned by Malcolm McLaren. The video that we're going to look at is Kings of the Wild Frontier. Yes. Which is off of their album, Kings of the Wild Frontier. They put out Kings of the Wild Frontier first in July of 1980. Right. It doesn't do as well as it might and then they re-released it in February of 1981, and that at that point, it reached number two on the chart. One of the things that you can notice in Kings of the Wild Frontier musically is the use of the Burundi drum. Yes. And that, it is like, bang, bang, powerful. Now, we have put in our Facebook group and probably on Twitter and everything else, we've put links of the videos that we're watching. Right. So hopefully, I mean, listener, go watch the videos go for watch, sake. Go watch a vis- the video and, and then you can kind of play along with us. Kings of the Wild Frontier by Adam and the Ants. This is such a powerful song to me because of the drums. Yeah. And then the video visually, just Adam Ant. There's nothing else happening here other than Adam Ant. There's, all they're doing is it's just the group it's standing around. It's a lip sync video. And it's right? a lip sync video. But I am telling you, Adam, you cannot take your eyes off of him. Right, because he's got a big white stripe across his face. Oh, it was a devastating look. The moment Adam Ant appeared on TV with that white stripe, it was unquestionably going to change the look of music. While he is dressed in a combination of, like, pirate gear and 
he has a white stripe that's meant to be, I think, like an Apache. Oh, yeah. Full, full cultural appropriation. It is here. absolutely cultural appro- appropriation. He got, got taken. Like, feathers and shit hanging off yeah, of them. Yeah, and... several of them do. He's got, he was taken to task for that when they actually started touring in America. He had to sit down with Native Americans and explain and say, to them. Hey, is it cool that, you know. Like I wear your... (laughs) Well, they were already kind of saying, you know, this is appropriating our culture. And he explained to them how, no, it really wasn't. I'm not sure how he made that argument. Okay. Because he clearly was. But uh, I think that, I think he probably couched it, if I'm, if I'm remembering correctly, I think he couched it in terms of uh, like class struggle. You would not get away with that. No, that doesn't (laughs) fly today. That would not fly today. He is so interesting to look at. Yeah, of course he is. Uh, but it's just really Adam dancing in circles, and then they're doing something kind of funky with the exposure. And I want to well, point that, that out. and that may be even another 80s trope that we'll eventually have to add to our list because that is a fairly common thing that 80s video would do, which just these random, it's kind of like playing with the filters on your phone. Make it look like uh, they're uh, in front of a green screen or let's just, you know, have the video uh, have ghost images or something. You know, they just do random weird special effects just to try to make it look artsier. It, and it does. It has a very interesting, um, there's like a saturation thing happening with yeah. it, like in terms of the exposure that I don't know enough about film to speak to, but right. I know that there's something going on with the way we don't know what you're doing but I, we know you're I, doing something. I know something. that you're doing something with the exposure it's like when you turn the saturation all the way up on yeah. a on a filter yeah and it starts to distort the picture a little bit yeah it makes things look flatter yeah. in a way I don't know but uh it, and it's just him and he's dancing around and he's kind of doing a, a screen where their shadows when been, like, shadows are projected behind them yeah that's it and they're all dressed up in all various, 30 of their drummers are banging away they have two drummers they have Marco, and what's interesting too about this song is Marco's um, guitar. Yeah. It's very kind of like, it reminds me almost of like Sergio Leone, like that Western, that jangly Western right. style of. Oh, yeah, yeah. I do know what you're talking about. And, um, and you know, a lot of them, they've got bandanas around their neck and striped piratey shirts. It's very right. piratey. Yeah. And very, and very outlaw. And I think that this was sort definitely, of- a, Definitely outlaw, right? Definitely like 18th century outlaw kind of vibe. Yeah. I think that video is amazing. Could have used a nuclear explosion at the end, but okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, it's very sexy to me. Well, <laughs> like, it may everyone. surprise you to learn it's less sexy wow. to me. No, it is. To me, Adam and the Ants Well, always, he doesn't have a shirt on. Well, I, mean, I know, there you go. but there's that. He's wearing a jacket, but no shirt underneath. Right. And he's Which just- Which I do that look all the time, so oh, I get it. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Mine's more of a blazer, you know, Maybe. whatever. But. <laughs> he is sex. To me, in a way that even okay, so everyone is that knows, most unusual of all 
fairgrounds snacks sex on a stick sex on a stick <laughs> he is he really is to me and he's ready to go at all time i always just got I'm that sure impression i've yeah. always got that impression from adam right that, that and i was young i was you know the, you know right. by the time i was listening to kings of the wild frontier i was like 12 yeah, and i was sure like awakening right? i was like i'm feeling a kind I of like, way and i, I don't like know what adam that is. is making me go through puberty adam, here <laughs> adam adam my god so for me this is a, what's the top rating? This rocks. Oh, this rocks, It's yeah. like, uh, this rocks extra oh, wow. to me. The, the I mean, this is the highest rating. possible rating. This is the best video I've ever seen. <laughs> that's, that's your new, now your new rating. Yeah. So that's, that, uh, no, but Not this, quite as high for me because sexually it's not going to do as much for me. Uh-huh. You know, not not nothing, clearly, you know. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Definitely nothing. Uh, but I'm going to give it a yes. Okay. Right? I think it's a very good video. But, I mean, here, it's just them dancing, right? I mean, they're not really going out on a limb here. It's not, you know, groundbreaking. But, you know, the costumes are on point. Good-looking guy. He's got the big, sharp Star Trek sideburns going on there. You know, and, you know, he's got good moves, right? His, his 80s dance moves are on point. He just, to me, I can't take my eyes off of him. Can you imagine what kind of a, an impact this had? Uh, we don't to have to imagine. Viewing we were there. audiences. <laughs> we saw, yeah. No, I mean, well, I mean, like I said, but I was I mean, that him. was the whole MTV vibe was they started to break down some of those gender yeah. barriers for things like makeup and, and clothing, et cetera. Right. And he definitely was right up there. I mean, he was not, you know, he didn't go as far out on a limb as like, say, Boy George or somebody, but he was out there. It wasn't about, you know, trying to identify or project their sexuality. It was just, you know, trying to get a look to project glamour or it, whatever it is. For sure. And he... Uh, Clearly, he, it worked on you. Whew, you were the target audience. I mean, I really was, <laughs> and it did work. Now, I will tell you that, unfortunately, he has, through his life, struggled with, even before this, he's he's diagnosed um, as a with bipolar disorder. So right. he's, he's, he has uh, manic and depressive states. Yeah. And uh, so he'd been hospitalized even before this happened, wow. before yeah. for this video. But I was listening to a documentary and he, they mentioned, you know, sort of. The madness of an individual in the pop world often, you know, could be taken as just being a great bit of showbiz flamboyance. And there's, there's no doubt that the best pop stars do demonstrate, you know, symptoms of... Uh, of something that if they were obscure, you know, would probably get them locked away. You may not have had this, but for the fact that he was, that he did go through those like super manic phases. I was say, they, most of his music seems more on the manic side than the depressive right. side. Unlike maybe one of the other bands we're going to talk about here soon. <laughs> but, you know, nobody's going to look at Adam and the Ants and go... Oh wow, what a gloomy goth band! No, right? no, 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 definitely not. Definitely not that. No, they yeah. went, they went full on into like sort of new wave. It but was it a was, party. It really know? was a party, and this made them. This catapulted them into just massive stardom. Right, and, and he, he's like, know. now you can do your bizarre little jazz explorations. Right. Well, uh, now, now you can. Um, except now, all your fans are going to want you to do the Burundi drums and <laughs> and the dancing around like a pirate. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, it's a little. It's been a bit of a well, double edged sword. They toured with like a Spanish on galleon the, galleon on their on stage. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. so then people started, of course, dressing like this. This became oh, I a part of the that, fashion. That was yeah. I'm sure it was like you know some kind of pirate Rocky horror picture show, right? I mean, everybody is coming in costume and, you know, there's bandanas and scarves and, you know, It's a weird phenomenon, isn't it? That you start to dress like the people that you would, that, that you admire. I mean, I guess that's, it follows, right? I mean, who else are you going to dress like, you know, people you hate? No, right. But I mean, it's just some of this, some of the outfits are very extreme. So you want to fit in, but you also want to look different. Well, see, that's the, that's the whole 
that's the whole vibe with really counterculture or emerging culture things. Everybody has this sense that I want to be unique, but they want to be unique in the same way as some other people. So they're not all the way out there by themselves. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, people who go all the way out there by themselves, they're called crazy people, right? <laughs> they're like, is, is that a style or are you just, <laughs> you know, you're just having an episode or what's going on here? <laughs> you look like you just got rolled off of a park bench, oh right? God. So, but that- Mark, your, people, the, your sensitivity chip is <laughs> malfunctioning. Come on. I turned it off. <laughs> if you depart from societal norms to a very extreme degree, people get labeled as crazy. Whether they are or not, that's what they're they're going to be labeled as. So if you're out or there on eccentric. that- eccentric. Yeah, well, you're eccentric if you go to a certain degree, but at a certain point, you know, that that's not really a big enough word to encapsulate people's feelings. But if you go out there on the limb with like eight or nine friends, yeah. you're different, but you're different as a group. You know, you always kind of laugh at people like, I have my own style. Well, it just happens to be the same style as, you know, 8% of the high school, but whatever. We, you know, we have our own style. That's, I mean, that you'll see that phenomenon over and over again. But people want to be in, you know, they get a little tribal, right? You want to be in a group. And it's very difficult to be the starter, you know, the or- origin of something like that. If you were the origin of something like that, you'd be Adam and the Ants, right? <laughs> right. You, you would have that kind of star power. But you get swept up by, like, yes, this vibe speaks to me. My friends and I all agree this is cool. So I don't feel totally out there by myself. Right. And, you know, where's my bandolier? You know? <laughs> Like I got to strap some pistols on or something. So that's, I mean, that's really the, that's really, I think the, the sociology of that there is, you know, I want to be different, but with, with friends. Mark, let's do the tropes for Adam and the Ants. Okay. All right. Lay it on me. Hairstyles is character. hundred percent. Yes. Definitely. I mean, everybody's got their huge poofy eighties hair and the weird sideburns and the whole thing. Yeah. 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 His definitely his styling is, is it's, very it's much very central to their, well, it's a hundred percent about that whole video is about yeah. that black and white. No, no, no. But again, it's got that weird exposure that doesn't make yeah. it exactly color. It's Just color, a weird but visual it's effect. a weird visual effect. Okay. Women is props. No, no women. No. But I got to tell you, the women were... <laughs> the I'm women sure they would have been were, willing to be props. I would have wanted yeah. to have been a prop. Yeah. Um, okay, apocalyptic or post-apocalyptic? No. Nope, nope, uh, not at all. Very pre-apocalyptic because they're dressed up as if they're in the 18th century. Correct. So. Egregious symbolism. No. You don't think so? Well, Their I mean, clothing is symbolism, I think. I, I just, I mean, but then that would mean every single song was about that. I mean, they always wore that. That's just their image. I don't know if it's symbolism. I just think they were like, this looks cool. Let's wear it. Yeah. I'm no, gonna you're say probably no. right. I'm going to say no. Okay, I'll say no with you. Okay, so this is actually a nice segue into your first video, is which it? is Susie and the Banshees, Spellbound. So I mentioned before that she's a part of this Bromley contingent, yes. which really was about people. So you can't get more anti-establishment than punk, right? The whole right. point just of punk rejecting is anti- all norms, except... Shockingly, they all kind of dressed alike. And then they right? all start, you know, so they all start following them, this this group of teens, yeah. and Susie's a part of it, and she ends up doing some really outrageous things with her fashion choices. Yeah. She's wearing, like, Paul Stanley eye makeup, like a star on her eye and stuff, and then she was, then she got, went too far, and she yeah. was wearing a swastika. But I always liked the black, shiny black, and I was always attracted to dark-haired women. I like the Marilyns and that, but I was really attracted to people like Carolyn Jones and Fader Barry, Louise Brooks, and also Betty Boop. And I mean, there's so, so much gone into 
what I look and why I look. Um, and part of it is to be threatening looking. Part of it is to be confrontational. One of my accoutrements was a, an armband with a swastika, which is, was purely out of high camp, nothing else. And Susie is one of those people who really is very much on the leading edge and is often out there kind of by herself because she's this big central figure in the goth movement, in the post-punk movement, but in a lot of ways rejected that, right? Mm -hmm. Didn't want that job. But definitely from a stylistic standpoint, she was she was pretty, you know, Unique. When well, it, and when she started out, I think she very much would have fit into the normal goth-looking vibe, right? Broke free. Now I was fortunate enough to actually see Susie and the Banshees play. Yeah, not at their, you know, not at their height. I mean, I saw it sometime in the '90s in uh, in California for this '80s festival thing, right, where I saw them and. Uh, Billy Idol, uh, who else was there? The um, Devo. But I mean, Susie got up there and just did her own thing. And people, like Susie fans are slavishly devoted to her. Right? Oh, absolutely. She is a goddess to them. Of course. You know, not just a musician. Right. And I don't know how you follow Susie's style. I guess you just like... Uh, I'm just going to do some weird fucked up shit and that, I'm going to call that the Susie style. Yeah. Right? Because she would change probably three times in a performance and have a completely different style or something. So very be very difficult to follow her. But the uh, the song is Spellbound, 1981, mm -hmm. on the album Juju. It was produced by Nigel Gray, who you may not know who that is, but he did produce the first three Police albums. Oh. Which you know I'm all about that. I do. So yeah, he did Outlandos. He did Ghost of the Machine. What was the second one? Um, um, uh, Regatta de Blanc. And so, uh, you know, we have to mad respect for that. So let's watch the Susie video. Okay, let's watch it. You have no choice. They still do that one kind of goth thing that I can't really, I just don't have the musical vocabulary to describe it correctly. Could you, could you do it? I could. Give us a little taste. <laughs> I could. You know, I could. Okay. So it's a little bit like if you remember back to when I was doing rock stars getting stabbed. Yes. It's kind of, I would say it's kind of my Depeche mode mm -hmm. stabbing where they just extend out the end of the, the end of the line of music in the, like the same notes, like, ow, Jesus. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like this. You know, Susie does that, uh, Depeche Mode does that, The Cure does that. Yeah. Even to a certain extent, who else would I say does that? B-52s. Ah!
Yes. Exactly. You know what I'm talking about? Yes, like, I know exactly. So come on and bring your jukebox money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's some kind of an affectation that was really, uh, you're is. not wrong. And, it, and it's that they extend that line of, of the vocals. And I wish, I, I mean, obviously I wish I had much more musical talent than I actually do, but I yeah. think that's a goth thing. Yeah. Right. I think that's post-punk goth influenced. And I don't, maybe Susie came up with it. Who knows? You right, know. I don't know enough about this. I mean, I don't think the Sex Pistols really did that. They didn't no, really care that I much mean, about they didn't really vocals. know what they were doing. Yeah, they're just like <laughs> up there beating the shit out of their instruments <laughs> and screaming. So, and you know, it worked for them. So well, you know, good for them. Here's a little tidbit of information. I don't know if you know Lay this, but me. the very Probably first <laughs> Susie and the Banshees concert that yeah. they appeared at, which was that yeah. Malcolm McLaren punk festival that right. they, they appeared at, they absolutely didn't know. None of them knew how to play their instruments except wow. for Marco Peroni, who was Adam, Adam Ant's guitarist. Yeah. But who was helping them? Right. Sid Vicious. <laughs> they definitely needed it. Sid Vicious played drums. Nobody knew what they were doing, yeah. and they just got up and they did. And yet, but they, it was all style. It was style, and, and they did the they did image. an extended version of the Lord's Prayer. And they Did just they? got up and right, sang well, the Lord's yeah. Prayer. It was like, and just that's enough. Obviously, there are a lot of goth tropes, right? Right. I mean, and that mixing religious imagery with more decadent or and yeah, or satanic, cult. Things, yeah, right, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Right. And and you saw that here in this video with sure. the. Okay, so let's do. Let's do the Beavis and Butthead for them. All right. I'm going to give this. Now, look, I'm pretty stingy with my ratings, right? Yeah. So I'm just going to give this a yes. Right? Yes. I think it's a good video. Not great. There's definitely some style there. Mm -hmm. I mean, Susie's not going to have a video without style. No. I mean, she's not going to just sit there at a writing desk, you know, <laughs> lip syncing her words. I mean, she's going to, you know, jump around. She's going to have extreme hair and makeup and wild clothing so but i'm gonna give it a yes i like it not the best video of all time no and i'm gonna give it a yes as well i'm gonna say the same thing i said about adamant though she's fascinating oh, to look at absolutely when she's on the screen you can't take your eyes off of her because yeah. she's just interesting so it's like her makeup and as a woman i yeah. would have been like mm, i want to do that makeup like right. i want to make my face look like that well, that no, you don't <laughs> well i did when in the day this is really indicative of that first sort of new wave that comes right. out well it was personality and image driven a lot of it right 100 until it became a little bit more musically sophisticated right okay so let's talk about the let's talk about the tropes in this one yeah okay egregious symbolism 100 oh, oh how did that cat even show up the, well because i think in the beginning there, there's a juxtaposition between her crawling around right. And she's wearing the bondage gear. Yeah. And, and then them dropping a and cat then, from and then a ladder. That cat was, well, the cat was <laughs> superimposed. It just flew across the screen. No, no, no. In the very beginning oh, of that okay. video, oh, it's yeah, yeah. the cat is superimposed right. over so her. So she's the cat. The cat. Yeah. Um, and then again, uh, there's that guy who's running through. The, all of a sudden, it's, I don't know if it's her or who it is. They've got the red cape and then the wolf face. So I mean, is that little uh, red I'm, riding hood? Yeah, I don't I'm know. Not sure. I'm not sure what's going I mean, on. And there. if you were sure, then it wouldn't be, you know, meaningless symbolism. Right, right, right. So, right. so definitely that running through the forest for no apparent reason. It doesn't appear they're being chased or that they're chasing. Maybe it's exercise. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. But they're, <laughs> they're, they're running through the forest. They really are. So there's a lot of a lot of symbolism in that. And I'm sure we haven't, we've only touched on the multiple, oh, multiple yeah. layers of symbolism. Okay. 
apocalypse and post-apocalyptic, no, nah. No, no apocalypse going on there. Not at all. No. Women as props, definitely not, because no, Susie is not. running she's, the show. She's up front <laughs> and center. Is, she is in control. Yeah, you're Here, not going to really see that until, like, the later, you know, exploitation videos, right? Right, when I think it's going to be a certain... The Van Halens and, you know, Duran Duran, honestly. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> <laughs> you know, you'll get into that, and it, and it they were like, sex sells, let's get some chicks in here. That's right. Hairstyles as characters. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is the definitive goth hairstyle yeah. from back then. Just your hair looks like it's exploding off of your head. and Often Rob- it's black. All of her oh, band was absolutely. bleach blonde. And I just want to, I can't imagine those people's hair is in, uh, are in good shape Well, <laughs> right I'm sure now. they've recovered by now. <laughs> but they, they <laughs> have. conditioner. Well, yeah. I know, but <laughs> I speak from experience. Yeah. I, I, I mean, they, their hair was so processed. But yes, yeah. it was definitely hairstyle as a character. Now, not as much as, uh, say. Flock of Seagulls. Flock of Seagulls. Well, but, that's because I mean that's that was like all anybody ever remembers about the, about the black <laughs> his, his, his swoopy haircut. Okay, and then black and white for gravitas. Yes, in the very oh, oh, beginning, right. yeah, they do. She's do that. in the middle. It's like a split three way screen. She's yeah. in the middle. Yeah, and, and it's black and white. We don't know that she's wearing you know canary yellow at this. No, point. she's that's when she's wearing the bondage oh, outfit, yes, like well. the the dominatrix mm-hmm. outfit, and crawling around like a cat. Right. Well, why not? All right. Really. So, yeah. <laughs> so, speaking of Susie's hairstyle. Yeah. One of the next songs and videos we're going to talk about is The Cure, Let's right. Go to Bed. Now, Robert Smith, as you may or may not know, was also a banshee at one right. point. Yes. He stood in. The Cure was supporting Susie and the Banshees on yeah. tour. Two of the Banshees just decided before the concert not Flake to, out. they're not going to be there. Well, they took I mean, off. They only spent about 10 minutes dedicating themselves to their craft. So it's not like they were that <laughs> invested at that point. And so so then, he came in and played guitar so for in, them. In and, the clutch, Robert yeah. Smith came in. Now, when he started playing for them and they were, and the Cure was supporting the, the Susie and the Banshees, he did not look like the Robert Smith we know right. now, who is essentially a male version of Susie Sue. Yeah, with more black. With yeah, with more with more black, black yeah. clothing, but that hair oh, yeah. and the red lipstick, Whole that thing. is an yeah. affectation that happened over time yeah. as they were one could argue as he was in support and there there uh members of the Banshees have commented that Robert Smith, in fact, really kind of came out of his shell yeah. and un- and started to learn more about stagecraft and presentation yeah. by like, watching Susie. He's like, if Edward Scissor's hands had been released, I would 100% be into that movie. He was <laughs> supposed to be involved in that movie. Was he? Yeah. And he may have been. I, I, I don't know. That, I mean, Edward Scissor's hands looks like, you know, Robert Smith with scissor hands. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the pale face, the huge explosion of black you know, raven black hair. Yeah. You know, the lipstick, the whole deal. So, um, all right. So we're, uh, we're on the cure now. You're on the cure. And this isn't, this is one of yours. Yes. Well, I'm well aware of that. So I, let's go to bed was deliberately not like every other cure song. They Mm -hmm. had just come off of their pornography album, Mm -hmm. right? Their third or fourth album. I forget which, which was very, very cure, right? It was very Mm -hmm. dark and gloomy,
Robert Smith was, uh, you know, not happy with all that success, as they often are. So he's like, I want to just do something completely opposite. So he wrote this song just basically doing everything that he hated about music. And he presented it to the band, and they all thought he was nuts. They're like, nobody's ever going to listen to us again. You know, we're doomed. Uh, <laughs> this is not what our fans want. I mean, as long as we've never compromised our own ideals, own ideals right. then it doesn't really matter. But I mean, we cater for, for, say, a certain aspect or, or a certain type of person, a certain aspect of their personality, which a lot of people subjugate through necessity. Those aspects <clears throat> are the ones that we cater for, and it's... Maybe that's why I mean we're sometimes accused of being elitist because we sort of like only caging for for a certain type of person. And they released this song, and guess what? They picked up a bunch of new fans. Huge hit, and this must have been right around the same time as Love Cats too, because that's the same similar kind of peppy vibe. Nineteen eighty-two. To... Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Um, so it was a standalone single, so it wasn't on an album, mm -hmm. which because probably because he didn't want to do a whole album of you know, goofball pop songs like that. But this is basically a pop song. Now, he's still Robert Smith, right? He still right. looks like, you know, he's a week away from going into the asylum. But <laughs> he, I mean, that this is deliberately, it's a pop song. It's a happy little pop song. It really is. And I will tell you, it was my gateway drug to the cure. See, there you go. You were the target audience. I was. And what ended up happening is, of course, I loved this song. And then I started digging around into their canon. And I love it. I love it all. And Disintegration which is a later album, yeah. is one of the albums that I love. I can listen to it from start to finish. It's one of the few albums that I can listen to straight the way through right. without skipping a track. Yeah, And it's also an album that if, if someone would say to me, you know, tell me a good album to listen to, that is my that yeah, would be my go-to. In right fact, I gave there. that to Matthew as, I think, there a birthday go. present is, uh, on vinyl is Disintegration because I think it's absolutely... A flawless album. I love The Cure. Okay. So the way he put he put it was, our followers up to then were exactly what you'd expect, right? Gloomy, trench coat wearing, black with pale faces. The old, the, black you know, the hair full, and pale faces. Full goth look. And he said, and then all of a sudden, young girls with white teeth. That's you. <laughs> That's <laughs> that was you. You are the young girl with white teeth that became that fan. And then, of course, yeah, then you, I mean, you had enough, you know, musical sophistication or you know, good taste or whatever to go back and listen to some of their more Robert Smithier works. Yeah, well, the the darker stuff wouldn't have scared me. It would have attracted me. Okay, right. we are gonna watch it's dark like your soul. <laughs> we're black on the outside because black is how I feel on the inside, exactly. Mark. Me and Morrissey. Okay, all right, we're gonna watch a video. <laughs> It's a really interesting video. Again, it's this is another situation where it's highly interesting to look at. Yeah. Uh, and this time it's the video. I mean, Robert Smith is always cool to see. Uh, yeah. he's, he's just a very... Even though he's just wearing pajamas in this. Essentially, he's wearing like a lot of comfy clothing. It looks yeah. like he went to units or something and was <laughs> just buying or, or like Benetton. Right. You know, so he's got a lot of comfy clothing. I'm like, that's a super preppy look that he's wearing. I know. That's what I was saying. Uh, this is, it's so against what like you would think. Like a rugby shirt Yeah, you wouldn't, you wouldn't imagine that, that Robert Smith would be dressed like that. His hair is actually pretty... Aim compared for to what him. It, for I him. I mean, it's still, you know, extending a good seven or eight inches yeah. off his head. But So the video is essentially this little room 
and they're they're two guys and one's just kind of in the background doing interpretive dance and, and painting painting on the but walls. Not, yeah, not like artistic painting, like roller painting. Roller like, painting and just like maybe not very well. Either. Yeah, he's painted like a window on the walls. Uh, you know, it's just a very small room. And, and he gets painted. He gets painted by Robert Smith. Right. It's just a. It's just them lip syncing. They're sticking around. But and sometimes it's extremely literal. Yeah. Translation of the lyrics. Like we're going to bed. Here we're, we're jumping going in, in some bunk and then, beds. then there's bunk beds and they talk about the Christmas lights and there's a Christmas tree and yeah. they're decorating for Christmas. But it's also a little bit weird. Like yeah. who it's a lot of this is a lot of symbolism. It was really hard to they're just in this little room dancing around doing and a bunch of wacky stuff. Doing th- strange stuff, playing with thing, a beach ball, playing yeah. catch catch with each other. I only th- I think the only thing that saves this from being a completely insipid pop song is his voice. Right? Yeah. Because it's still Robert Smith, right? He's yeah. not like, you know, he could sing Happy Birthday and it sounds like a funeral dirge. Right. Right? <laughs> I like the video. Yeah. And um, he's got the full, you know, like silent film actor, eye makeup, mm-hmm. you know. And then he puts on, I don't know, he's put on a blindfold or is it sunglasses? Of No, it's got to be like a blindfold. It's a blindfold, right? but this is another one of the literal translations of yeah, the lyrics. It's about right. not being able to see something. I can't so I deduct points for that, right? For literal. Too literal yeah, of a representation yeah. of the lyric. Yeah, it's right. not, that's not quite as creative as Spellbound, which who knows what that song who is knows? even about yeah. based on the video. You I, just don't I know. I certainly don't. Well, I mean, Spellbound, I mean, you get the witchy vibe. Yeah, right? I suppose. But, but, uh, yeah, other, the rest of the lyrics there don't really offer a lot of clues. Right. This is, you know, the, the Cure is a kissing cousin to Susie and the Banshees. Sure. And you can tell that he's got some performance, his sort of stagecraft. You can tell right. he's, he's a creative. Um, I'll, so, b- I'll buy that, yeah. Yeah. So what are you going to give it? I'm going to give it a... I'm going to give it a yes. Yeah, it's just a yes for me because yeah. I'm going to definitely ding him for the literal, you know, on-the-nose stuff. You know, it was slightly interesting to see him almost get crushed by a bunk bed <laughs> collapse. So that was, I'll give him points for that. And he's always, you know, an interesting and charismatic performer. So you give him points for that. And it's a good song, right? I mean, yeah, it certainly doesn't it's suck. It's a departure video... from them, but you still, I mean, it's still enough of the cure that you get it, you know, you get the flavor there. Yeah, so, absolutely. Uh, I'm going to give it a yes. Yeah, I'll uh, give it a yes. I think Beavis and Butthead would be less charitable. Probably to be honest, because that's not really, that's their, really thing. their thing. But yeah. okay, that guy looks like he's dead. <laughs> Is he a zombie? <laughs> no, no, he's like a vampire. <laughs> <laughs> Why is Beavis getting a boner because of... Beavis always gets a boner. Oh, my God. All right. <laughs> Beavis, you're always getting boners. All right. Egregious symbolism. Let's go through uh, the Oh, for sure. No doubt, right? Yeah. So I mean, the like painting what, in a room thing. The uh, beach ball? Like what's, the beach ball being tossed the, around. The banners with people's names on them. Yeah. I don't know who those Well, that's to are. do with a different girl, another girl, another so. name. Yeah. Because so. all the banners had girls' names yeah. on it. But yeah. So that's kind of literal. I don't know if that's symbolic. Who knows? I don't know. Um, but yeah, we're going to give them definite... Def- Definitely, yes, Definitely. for an egregious symbolism. Apocalyptic or post-apocalyptic, no. No, no. although um, he would have liked it to have been. He may have. Like in a, in a, a little bit, you can hear the apocalypse in his voice, <laughs> but certainly the song and the video do not. You can always not, hear the apocalypse yeah, in like, You know what, voice. there's always some impending doom <laughs> if you're hearing Robert Smith sing. For sure. Okay, women as props, no, not at all. I mean, except if you count their names being used, but there were no women being no, objectified I mean, you have or to have anything have objectified that. women. Yeah, there are no women and in And one that. of the women was named Marion. That could be a dude, you know, could be. whatever. You we never don't know. judge. Yeah. 
Black and white for gravitas. No, but again, his face is white and his hair is black. <laughs> there is. I'm telling you, there's something that they did with the exposure in some of yeah. these where the the well, colors are not very bright. to make it look bright. like there's this effect that they had on TV back then, and it was like the soap opera effect, which I think it was when they were using you know tape and not film or something like that, mm-hmm. where it always has that weird kind of vibe. You know, you can always if you look up. In, back then, you looked at the TV, you could tell whether it was a soap opera or not, right? right? Or right. whether it was a serious show. Yeah. And, you know, I just think that they're, they don't want that look, right? They don't want to look like they're a soap opera where it's like hyper realistic and, mm-hmm. you know, super sharp or whatever. And it just kind of looks fakey fake. So they want to have it make, you know, they're artists, right? They want something a little kookier. Yeah. So they're like, uh, smear some Vaseline on the lens and, you know, uh, yeah, turn give us a ex- little bit of a soft focus. Yeah, exactly. Turn the <laughs> turn the contrast up to eleven. Saturate the hell out of it. Yeah, that. <laughs> exactly. So you know you're going to see that over and over in eighties videos. In fact, I'm I'm leaning more and more towards adding that as a trope. Yeah, then we might have to add a sixth trope. Okay, a hairstylist character. Oh, I'm going to it's Robert Smith. His hairstyle is his defining characteristic. You can't even try to deny this. His hairstyle is a character. All right, but I am going to say relative to his normal hairstyle, this was not it. Right, but you nobody's going to look at that and go, oh, that Robert Smith got a haircut. No, you could, it's still I Robert totally Smith I totally thought hair. Robert Smith oh, got, yeah. I looked at it and I was My like, God. Robert Robert Smith must have just gotten a hair, haircut. No, he, I mean, look, he still got, his hair is still a, a very serious distance from his skull. Okay. All right. So you, I definitely hair. I mean, that's just his, that's his thing. All right. All right. Well, let's move on to our last video now. This is a, this is a depart- Speaking of hair as a character. Speaking of hair as a character. <laughs> so we're going to talk about Bow Wow Wow, I Want Candy, which is really the only big hit that that band had in the U.S. Right. Um, they are the love child of Malcolm McLaren and Malcolm McLaren, who yeah. took, again, took the ants, the original ants. And stole some dudes. And stole them and yeah. put them as the backing band for Annabella Lewin, who was 13 at the time that they started the band. Wow. Um, by 14, she was per- she was appearing nude on the cover of their albums. This girl wow. was totally exploited. And wow. in fact, her mother tried to sue because yeah. of ch- child um pornography and exploitation. Right. My mother was used as a publicity vehicle for um, the uh, album and uh, unfortunately it caused a huge rift between me and her. The cover was a pastiche of Manet's Déjeuner sur l'herbe, which has scandalized French society in 1863. McLaren wanted to have the same effect on 80s Britain and sure enough, the police were involved and the cover was banned. But when it was finally released, it became an instant icon. But it was the 80s, so they're like, But it was the 80s, Relax. Um, They had originally had a second lead singer, and that person was dubbed Lieutenant Lush. His name was George Allen O'Dowd. And George was somebody that came into focus because Annabella's mother became such a problem. He kept saying to me, you know, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, you know, and you're going to take over from Annabella and we're going to kick her out. You know, she wants to be an air hostess and all this. Eventually, what happened was that we were going to do this huge tour and I was going to be Lieutenant Lush with Annabella. And Malcolm blew the tour out. Everybody was in tears. And I just thought, well, this is it. I've got to get my own thing together. And what Malcolm had done the week before is he'd sent this photographer out to Manchester where we'd been playing the gig and took a photo of me and Annabella. And this week in the paper it said, George is no longer in Bow Wow. So I thought, oh, thanks for telling me. 
He didn't oh, last. I know with, who that guy they, is. <laughs> he didn't last with Bow yeah. Wow Wow. They were like, this guy has no talent. Get him out of here. <laughs> he became Boy George. Yes. With the Culture Club. You're not going to slide that one past me. I nice know. try. No, I know. I did not know that he was, you know, at one point in that band, but now, did not know. If I remember correctly, Malcolm McLaren had, uh, he did some kind of protest piece. I'm not sure exactly what it was, but Sounds it was something reasonable. to do with celebrating sex with people under the age of consent. Well, that's really not good. No, it's not good. But yeah. I mean, this again, it's the 80s. Yeah. But, and and so, you know, the exploitation wasn't, right. I guess, as, you know, monitored as closely. Right. Yeah. It wasn't just one album that they had this this nude photo of her. Right. And, and it was actually meant- Like that first one worked great. Let's they used the again. exact same one on yeah. the second album or on yeah. the second thing with the the last of the Mohicans. It's a follow up EP. I mean, what kind of pitch meeting was that? Okay, guys. So our vibe is going to be pedophilia. Okay, <laughs> and we're just going to double down on it. The more criticism we get. So Bow Wow Wow, like Adam and the Ants, relied upon the Burundi beat. Yeah. But I'm going to challenge you to listen to it when we watch I Want Candy. Oh, listen to it and compare it to Kings of the Wild Frontier because I, I think one band does it better than the others. I'll, oh, I'll let you oh. see what you so think. So who wore it better? Uh, yeah, who wore it better. And um, who at least wore something. That would be good. So this uh, I Want Candy is it's the first and only single from their EP, The Last of the Mohicans. Remake. It is a remake for many people in America. It was their first introduction to to the band at all. Yeah. It was on heavy rotation. Oh, it was, I mean, it was such heavy a rotation. it was such a iconic video, you know, with all the hairstyles <laughs> that you just you couldn't go a day without seeing that video. That's right. So it was. It's been counted as the number eighty six on VH1's one hundred greatest songs of the eighties, yeah. and number eight on VH1's one hundred greatest one hit wonders of the eighties. So they there consider it a one hit wonder. Well, in clearly. Europe, in Europe, they were not. Right. Uh, but anyway, so this is big deal. Neither was David Hasselhoff. That's right. <laughs> okay, That's let's right. not get too crazy. That's right. <laughs> All right. So let's let's quickly watch the video, and then we can talk about what happens in the video. Okay, wow. So, bow, wow, wow. <laughs> bow, wow, wow. First of all, let me ask oh, yeah, you, who, who did it better? Adam and the Ants? Oh, or? Adam and the Ants, and I'll tell you why. Because their drum, and again, I lack the vocabulary, but their drums have more of that gunshot, explosive quality, mm -hmm. you know, when they're doing the Burundi drum things. You can hear it in this one too, right? Yeah, yeah. But it's just more of that rifle crack, you know, sharper... Uh, more explosive in Adam and the Ants. Well, they have two drummers, and well, I think that that, that's that, a, helps, that, that yeah. helps a lot, right? So there's a lot more power behind it the percussion. It sounds like, in Adam and the Ants, it sounds like they're hitting the drum with, like, a triple diameter 
drumstick, right? They're hitting it with like, you know, one of those really like, you know, when they're like beat on those big kettle drums, yeah. you know, whatever if for, you know, like, I don't even know, uh, somewhere in the, the Pacific somewhere, yeah. you know, where they're beating on the drums with like what looks like basically a nunchuck. Yeah. Right. That's <laughs> kind of what it sounds like. It's yeah. that big, big sound. Yeah. Like that. Now these guys have a bit of that and they're clearly, it's that same style. Cause I mean, I don't know, maybe same guy. But um, well, like I said, Malcolm McLaren yeah. gave that yeah. world music like tape. Everybody's got to do this beat, right? He did. He gave it to both bands, and he said, yeah. "You know, be influenced by this. Like, listen right. to this." And right. well, you know, they they all took away the Burundi. Like, okay, beat. Malcolm, you know best. <laughs> Child pornography? Are you sure? He's like, "Oh yeah, trust me, it's gonna totally work." <laughs> this is great. Yeah. All right. It's just a film of them essentially doing a performance outside, surrounded by sand and some. There's some water. There's a beach, and then they've got some candy canes stuck in the ground yeah big candy it looks canes. like they're at one point they're in a desert but if you turn around it's really a beach but it's kind of a dismal looking beach yeah it's not a it's not a great looking looks like it's location like australian outback it oh does. there's some water yeah and then there's some but then there's some some yeah, water in an oasis keep you from dying it's really focused on annabella well, <laughs> you know, that was their whole strategy. <laughs> and she's got, you know, she's she's got a very interesting look. Here again, I th- all of these people are very most well, not all of them. They're Some of them are pretty, looking, but they're compelling yeah. looking, many of them. Now, the guitarist and her obviously share a vibe. Uh because the, they have mohawks. Yeah, the the bass player or whatever, it looks like they just Pulled him off the local football team. Yeah, he, I mean, he's like a it's total like Chad. Totally does. <laughs> now there's an inexplicable sec- section of this, you know. So they take a break from doing the performing, right. and then the three guys are buried up to their neck in the sand. Again, it's just the well. And then she's looking at ice cream. <laughs> that's, that's and I'm like, that would have been a lot more appealing before I knew she was like 15 years old. <laughs> she's 15 in this video. Yeah. She looks like she's like 35, oh, though. Yeah, she, she doesn't does. look yeah. like she's 15 at By all. By the way, boys, that's no excuse. No, no, not <laughs> um, at all. But, uh, yeah, so, you know, they're bouncing around. They're doing some weird MTV kind of stuff, you know, like, oh, let's put bury everybody up to their necks, right? Yeah, Whatever. let's do something random. Yeah, let's just be random. Let's just be random. Um, yeah. Again, this video has a very uh, saturated, the saturation so is weird. This very much reminds me of a video. This could have been Red Skies at Night, though, yeah, because at least in this Maybe video, they have a red sky. <laughs> so it does that thing. Yeah, like you said, it's very saturated and the colors are kind of, you know, like fuzzy and whatever. So there's a video that I'm thinking of that does that through the whole video Electric Avenue. Oh. Because that would have that, like, it had the lens flaring and the, wow. and the really high saturation. It always reminds me of that. And, and, like, the water looks, you know, super fake because they're doing this thing, right? Because they're doing this thing and they're putting some color it over the like water. It looks like they're standing in the... front of a bad green screen. Yeah, it's right? it's really, it's 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 kind of a strange yeah. thing. And then at the end of the video, a nude photo of her right, washes I, up onto Right, which I turned away the... so I can't be arrested. So. <laughs> washes up onto the shore. You can't yeah. see anything. She's covering up all of the Well, I'll take your word for sensitive that. Sensitive areas. I will take your word for that. But that she her does, bikini area is covered. She is definitely se- sexualized in this video. Right. Uh, you know, and she's, I wonder if the Strange Loves in 1964 took a similar approach. I doubt that they, <laughs> I did. Doubt that they did. I doubt that they did. Let's give it our Beavis and Butthead rating. All right, now I'm not very comfortable with this. So as uh, uncomfortable as I am with this video, <laughs> it rocks. It I mean, rocks. This video rocks. This rocks really. It really does because it's such an iconic video, right? And it was in heavy, heavy rotation on MTV. And I guarantee you, I had no idea this girl was that young. I, if you shave your head like that, 
it gives you the appearance of being older anyway, right? Like what 15-year-old would shave their head like that? No, you got to be a grown-up. Your parents wouldn't let you do that. Uh-huh. So you immediately, I assume she was somewhere in her 20s, right? Yeah. I was super wrong, apparently. Yes, you but, were. But no, I think the video is so compelling visually that I think I give it to This Rocks. Plus, it's a boppy, fun song. It's a good song. Now, definitely, they were slated for one-hit wonder, you know, in the U.S. I mean, after It's kind of like, you know, oh, Ricky, you're so fine type vibe, right? It's Mickey. That, I, did I say Ricky? Yeah. Oh, Mickey, you're so fine. Uh, oh, Ricky, you look ridiculous. Yeah, so, um, but no, uh, the Oh, Mickey video, right? It's just that super high tempo, boppy, bubblegummy type song. Yeah. And Got a good beat and you can dance to you it. You sure can. And she did. And it's compelling to look at. She's amazing to look at. I love her look. I love the yeah. way that she yeah. is. I don't have the same issue because I'm obviously and not thank objectifying God, thank her. Thank God, at least in this video, she had clothes on. Yeah. Right. She has this weird, she wears these weird one piece jumper thingies. Yeah. Right. But so, they're cool looking. You yeah. can tell. And it probably I would imagine Vivian Vivian Westwood has a, has a hand oh, in I'm that. I'm sure she was selling those out of the back of her store for uh, sure. So. But. I would. I'm just going to give it a yes. All right. So you don't like it as much as I. I don't do. like it as much. See, as that you makes do. me uncomfortable. No, Thank don't. You. Thanks don't. for leaving me out there on the limb. No, don't feel uncomfortable. No, you I do. you liked it for the same reason that I liked Adam Ant. Probably no, no, no. Because I don't. I don't find. I mean, she's not sexually appealing to me. She's very interesting looking. She's attractive, but like I didn't get jazzed up by watching yeah. her. I wonder if I should have waited yeah. to tell you she was 15 like, until after. I'd be like, yeah, she's super hot. You're like she's 15. I'm like, uh, oh. <laughs> kill me now. Mark got called out. Yeah. Uh, right. So no, we do not in any way endorse, endorse. a hebephilia. <laughs> right. Um. All right. So let's go through the tropes. Hairstyles yeah. as character, hundred I mean, percent. There's only one band in the history of bands that's more of a hairstyle as a character, and, and that's, that's Flock, Flock of Seagulls. Of seagulls. That, that's that's the gold standard. Yeah, <laughs> no but these guys are good, right are up, up there. there. Yeah, uh, women as props. I'm gonna say yes to this one. I mean, even though she fronts the band, yeah, because number one, well, she's they exploited 15. her. Yeah, they exploited her on the album covers, you know, and she's this there bopping around, and she's underage. But the main thing is. The ice cream lick. Yeah, that was very, very exploitative. Lolita, very low. And really Mary had not. I mean, had honestly, nothing to do with. Well, it. I mean, I guess candy ice cream a little bit, but yeah, you don't. There's no reason to do that. Yeah. Other than they're like, hey, let's see if we can sex her up a little bit more. Yep. What a great idea. Excellent. Okay. Good job, Malcolm. Apocalypse or po- post-apocalyptic? I would say not no, really. No, no, no. I not mean, at all. unless you consider that the 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 exposure. No. I don't. No. Okay. Egregious symbolism? I don't think it's egregious. Uh, what, no. I think they got a little random, like you said, when they planted people in the sand. But that was not but that's not symbolic. symbolic. That was just being goofy, right? Yeah. Just yeah. doing something and interesting visually. And the candy visually. canes are very literal. Yeah. Because, you, you know, know I want, I want candy. candy. Yeah. So nothing really symbolic for me in that. No. Uh, and no black and white as, as, a, no. as a symbol. No. Just, or but, as a but they did black do, and white for gravitas. But they did do the weird visual effect. Yeah, which they did maybe that weird visual. You know, maybe our... You know, fourth beetle here. Yeah, our sixth trope. <laughs> so, but yeah, so that's uh, that's the end of that. Okay, so now out of out of all of the videos that we watched, Nate, which you which is your favorite? Well, I mean, I have to say the Bow Wow Wow video because I, wow, I was wow, the really? only one I rated high enough. Yeah. If you had asked me in the beginning, I probably would have said Adam and the Ants. Yeah. Right, because I really do like their videos. Yeah. But I did ding them for a couple of things because it was just basically a straightforward kind of boring video, and they didn't do a lot interesting visually. I don't know. I mean, maybe I should have given him a little bit better score, but I guess I have to say the Bow Wow Wow video. Yeah. And, I mean, it, to be fair, it has held up as one of the top-rated videos of all time. 
Yeah, right? I mean, in the top 100. Top, well, I mean, According to VH1. There were 12 million videos. The I old mean, people channel. Well, <laughs> look, <laughs> I'm no spring chicken. <laughs> I'm VH1 aged at the best. <laughs> I'm almost Lawrence Welk aged at doing? this point. You shouldn't even be watching music videos. Probably not, but here I am. What are you uh, going to do? Yeah, okay, so I would say mine again is going to be Adam and the Ants. And I would say then followed closely by The Cure. Okay. I, I would say those two see, are I didn't my love that fan. video because it was just hard to see, and I didn't think it was that you know compelling yeah. really but um yeah so there you go now we have done the video versus video video the, versus video this is our first one done now what we will be video doing cage match whatever right, we end up right. calling it yeah. so we've got a couple that we have we know we've oh we, that's right yeah, we, yeah. Uh, so it, so we have one that's already recorded which is the right. fix Versus Nana, where we're looking at the theme of, of definitely post nuclear war, current uh, like apocalyptic, apocalyptic like currently yeah. happening right now as we record In, this song. So that's that's one of the ones we have upcoming. Unrequited love, in which we'll be looking at Anna Eng by. They might be giants mm. and love yeah. stinks, mm. right? Jay Giles. by Jay Giles and a couple of others that are around that theme, and then we're gonna do. Band rivalries featuring <laughs> Duran Duran, Duran Duran, and Spandau Ballet, and interestingly, Echo and the Bunnymen, and you too. Wow, who'd have thought that they were? Who at would odds? know that Ian McCullough has a who even knew hard Echo on for and the Bunnymen were big Bono. enough to challenge you too? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not that I'm the hugest U2 fan of all time, but they're a colossally bigger van- band than Echo and the Bunnymen, <laughs> I who I like. But, but come on, get I real. Mean, wow, so, punching above your weight there, my guy. All right, so we really appreciate. Appreciate you all coming and listening to us each week. For those of you who are going to choose to support us on Patreon, we are grateful. This is the exact kind of bullshit you're going to get. No, we'll also be doing extended discussions of right. things that we can't get to in a regular episode. Uh, so come and find us on Patreon. We'll put the link up on our Facebook group and we'll put it on our Twitter, on the Gen X Temporaneous Twitter. And Mark, is there anything else you have to say? Um, stop exploiting 15-year-olds for your music videos, you people. <laughs> this is a very All good of suggestion. All of you. Knock it off with the 15-year-olds. What's don't the matter with you? Don't think what you're up to. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, everyone, for coming and listening to us. Bye. Peace out, Cub Scouts.